0: So they brought baby Jesus to the actual temple for her right of um, purification according to the law, and for his dedication or consecration according to god 's decree back in Egypt, when every firstborn son belonged to God and was to be consecrated to the lord and and if I understand things correctly what uh, they needed to do through this ritual was usually they would pay five shekels to redeem the baby back from the Lord in a sense. So um, it's interesting. One scholar noted that um, uh, they didn't seem in this account to be any money involved, and it, it prompted the thought. Um, Perhaps Mary and Joseph, because there is a bit of conjecture around this because there's a lot of, not a lot of in-depth in the narrative, but uh, like Hannah did with her baby Samuel when she took him to the temple and dedicated him to the temple and, and basically gave her son back to God, because Mary and Joseph knew that Jesus was to be set apart, perhaps they were even bringing him to the temple, not necessarily to redeem him with the five shekels but to perhaps give him back to God in that sense. Interesting kind of thought to contemplate. Mary and Joseph though, what we do know, is they were a deeply devout Jewish couple. They followed the law in, in every matter. And, and the very next story in the Luke account is of them going back up to the temple 12 years later roughly to, for the Passover so let's read verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been divinely revealed or communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah the Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure. And when the parents brought in the little child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart. Leave this world in peace according to your word. For my own eyes... For with my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles to disclose what was before unknown and to bring praise and honour and glory to your people Israel. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Another word for that might be the comfort of Israel. Another word might be, we might better understand it to be deliverance of Israel. The sense of the word waiting is looking forward to. Simeon was looking forward to Israel's deliverance. I wonder what Simeon might have been expecting. What, what, do you, what do you think? What what's it, might Simeon have been expecting? Uh, on Christmas Day we kind of thought about Jesus was unexpected as a baby. I, I, it would be fair to say Simeon probably wasn't thinking about seeing a baby. What might have been, he been expecting? Jesus. Yeshua in Hebrew, drawn from the word Joshua, which itself means salvation. And one of the nice things that the Amplified Version gives us little clues, I I love and I guess I'm really resonating with the Old Testament a little bit at Christmas time, like I guess at Easter, when we think of all the prophetic words the revelation of God regarding his coming messiah and and the different pictures of how the Messiah would come and as they looked into the future and they saw at one and the same time a a, a king coming in all his glory at the same time they're seeing a suffering servant how do they figure that we know now we have the benefit of being in the middle of those two peaks of mountain range, Revelation. and We're in the valley of the age of grace between the coming of the suffering servant and his second advent, the coming of the risen king. What did Simeon think would be? One thing he knew, he had a promise from God that he would see the promised Messiah in his day and hence this this beautiful uh, prayer comes from from his heart Lord now I can go now I can die in peace because I have seen your glory can we do a dance back into Isaiah because there are pointers here and you can turn with me if you like otherwise you can just close your eyes and listen to this because really uh, what Simeon is saying is uh, is, is is so drawn from the prophet Isaiah the classic prophecy concerning the coming messiah so much let me read for you from chapter twenty uh, forty or well fifty two firstly and 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 think of these words as being on the heart of simeon. In his response to God at having seen baby Yeshua in the arms of his parents. From verse 7 of 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices together, they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together you ruins of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Wow, isn't that powerful? Imagine Simeon hearing that prophecy resonate in his heart as he declares he has seen the salvation of God. Isaiah 42. We can go back to there. I have seen your salvation, Isaiah 52. A light to the Gentiles, Isaiah 42. And I'm reading from the first verse. Here is my servant whom I uphold, My chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. This is what God, the Lord, says: He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes. This is interesting. These verse. This verse. To open eyes that are blind to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Echoes of Isaiah 61, isn't it? The very verses that Jesus called on in the synagogue that morning in his hometown when he declared his mission. Very, very, very powerful verses. These are echoed in Simeon's hymn as it's come to be known. And then we go to to Isaiah 49, vindication for Israel. Israel had failed in their task as God's chosen people and out of Israel came the one true Messiah. Verse 1 of Isaiah 49, Listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born the Lord called me. From my birth he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendour. But I said, I have laboured to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. And the sense of that apparently in the original language is as if a, a woman has, has been in, in labour pains and given birth to nothing more than air. It's a little bit indelicate in the original language apparently but that's it. Imagine being in labour and not actually giving birth to anything. Verse 4b Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, For I am honoured in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength, he says. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says, the Redeemer and the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and rise up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. No wonder the parents were awestruck when Simeon, this man in his sunset years, so close to God, so powerfully close to God, so responsive to the Holy Spirit's promptings in him that he would venture into the temple courts and and it would have been the outer court, uh, the court of the women uh, probably, which wasn't just for women but the women weren't allowed any further in to the temple precincts than the court of the women And, and, and to be able to see the divine in a baby there was no doubt, there's no account in the narrative of any questioning, is this he, Lord? Straight away, he sees this baby with its mum and dad and lifts this baby to heaven, just kind of like bowls up and, and, and is in rapture, in, in serious, spiritual, emotional rapture because he has laid eyes... On the promised one of God, such that just there's no doubt in his mind. This baby, he hasn't done anything. He doesn't look anything special. They were so poor they brought two doves rather than a lamb and a dove to offer. You, You know, okay, you could be, you know, Joseph was a carpenter, so he wasn't destitute, but it was still under law. He could bring a pauper's offering, and they brought two doves or two pigeons. Rather than a lamb, so here's this couple in humble circumstances, and Simeon just lights up and resonates with the prophecies of Isaiah in his prayer. I have seen the salvation of the Lord. You know, I have seen a light to the Gentiles. Now, from from what I understand, oh Andrew, have you got that little pidger? Thank you for finding it a little thing of the temple. I I love the temple thing. I wish the temple was still there. Don't you wish the temple was still there? What a magnificent building. But it could never still be there. Isn't it interesting how in the purpose of God he's allowed the Dome of the Rock to be planted right on that site. There can never be another temple because from the time that the temple, the curtain was rent in twain and and, and separated and then in 70-odd AD when Rome... Brought it down. They brought it down to bringing down the rubble into rubble. This could never more be built. There's no more place for sacrifice in Judaism, and nor will there ever be. But there, that that circular, the circular court was the court of the women, and and the outer court was the court of the Gentiles. And apparently there were inscriptions. Uh, you guys might know this better than I that warned against the Gentiles going in. You shall not go in. There was punishments and everything all carved into the pillars and the colonnades and stuff so that the Gentiles were were sure of one thing. You don't go any further. You're not welcome in the inner courts. And yet Simeon, his prayer is rising from within. They saw it. They got it that from day one the Messiah was to be for all nations. There was not going to be exclusivity in the salvation of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, the Consecrated One. Isn't it beautiful? So yeah, the parents, it says, verse 33, and his legal father, the Amplified inserts in there, and his legal father and his, his, capital H, mother, his, capital H, so in effect identifying divinity in Jesus. So his legal father and his mother were marvelling at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed and destined For the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. This sign once again we can go to Isaiah and go back to eight. Wow, these powerful verses of Isaiah chapter eight. So familiar to us from verse eleven. The Lord spoke to me. Bring it over here. Isaiah eight eleven. The Lord spoke to me with His strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, "Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy." He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread and he will be a sanctuary for both houses of Israel. He will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Jesus himself in Matthew 10, do you recall? when he, it's worthwhile mentioning it again, he echoes this very thing. And I think they were marvelling at the temple, weren't they? Matthew 10.34. No, he's sending out the, the 12. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is really... Uh, paradoxical, isn't he? Because one of his names was what? The Prince of Peace. And he says here, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Now he's using, he's overstating, he's using hyperbole, you know, grabbing your attention with big statement. Of course he came to bring peace, but the pathway to peace is what he's now describing. That I come to bring peace, do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life For my sake, will find it a statement of reality for the follower of Jesus. Interesting thought do I love Jesus more than my wife or my kids? Who has first place in my heart? He cannot just show up and everybody goes, Oh, the Prince of Peace, wonderful. The very fact that Jesus shows up causes division, causes enmity between man and wife, son and daughter, son and father, mother and daughter, friends. We've seen this play out down through history that naming the name of Christ can bring a sword into your life. And Simeon pointed this out. And he once again he's resonating with the prophet and he went on to say, come back to me, come back to me, ooh, gone over. Here we go. That it would pierce Mary's heart that she would come to see a time in her life that her son would be rejected and crucified. Verse 35 Hang on, it's lost itself again. So let's read verse thirty six of Luke. There was also a prophet Anna the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her maidenhood and as a widow even for 84 years. They're not sure whether she was 84 or plus 84, doesn't really matter, she was an old woman. She did not go out from the temple enclosure but was worshipping night and day with fasting and prayer. And this was echoed this morning, I think, in your call to worship. You know, I'd rather be a gatekeeper at the temple. You know, and and I immediately thought of where we were going with this, with Anna. She she was known as a prophet, a prophetess. Like we don't say actress anymore; we say actor. I guess we'd say she was a prophet. Um, And she too came in verse thirty-eight up at the same hour. And she returned thanks to God and talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption or deliverance of Jerusalem. Anna, not much is said about Anna. Um, she was possibly waiting once like Simeon for the liberation of, of Israel. It notes that she, when she saw the baby she recognised him once again straight away. Here's this baby in the crowd. She spent every day, every day in the court of the women worshipping, fasting, praising Jesus for 80 odd years. What a way to spend your life. So close to God, so in his presence, in the midst of the chaos of the court in her every day that she could recognise out of the blue, we're not told that the Holy Spirit prompted her or anything like that. Here is your deliverer. Here is your savior. Here is the the salvation I have promised. Once again, I, I guess because she didn't, we, there's no words in her mouth. We know that she went around to those who she knew in the court were also waiting for the consolation or the redemption of Jerusalem, it specifies as opposed to Israel. However, the same kind of sentiment. She she didn't kind of shout it out. She was praising the Lord out loud but she went around to these women or these other people in the court and was saying, he's arrived, the Messiah is here. The one we've been waiting for, the one that you've been waiting for is here. Unbelievable that these two people would get this so crystal clear that that. Simeon can say, I'm gone, I've seen it, I don't need to be here anymore, I've served my purpose. Anna, who dwelt in the temple courts, praising Jesus and worshipping him and sharing that journey of Judaistic faith with all in her orbit that she would come to know, living her life in that place, um, just knew straight away. I wonder what the baby Jesus looked like. We go on to read verse 39 and when they had done everything according to the law of the Lord they went back into Galilee to their own town Nazareth and the child grew and became strong in spirit filled with wisdom and the grace, favour and spiritual blessing of God was upon him. Jesus like Samson did like Samuel did Consecrated, set apart, Samson with the Nazarite vow, or the Nazarite vow. Samuel called from before he was born. Jesus, like those types of Jesus, grew strong in spirit, wisdom, and grace. I wonder what a boy, a child growing up, under the favor of God, looks like. What what would he look like? The very next story has him in the temple at age twelve, with the lead, the teachers of the law engaging with them about being about his father, about his father's business. That's at age twelve. Leading up to that, what what would a what would a child look like? That had the favor of God on him, such that the, the the biblical writer would say that he grew every day in grace, in strength, in wisdom. Be a bit like me, do you think, as an eight-year-old or yourself? You know, what what graces do we see in our own kids that reflect Jesus? Was he a model kid? <laughs> It's intriguing to think about it. We see it in people though, don't we? Don't we see the favour of God resting on people from time to time? Don't you see that? It's not so much because they're materially blessed necessarily. It's just that there seems to be within their spirit a peace, a poise, a joy, um, a, you, you, you know, a sense of purpose, destiny, Unshakable, perhaps, in their faith. You you, you know, everything that comes across them is in God's purpose. Uh, There's there's an aliveness to everything about them. You love to spend time with people, don't you? Maybe hoping that some will rub off (laughs) on you. Jesus. Expect the unexpected. It's a very familiar saying. And maybe it's surely the case with God. Christmas Day, we celebrated the unexpected baby. I'm wondering if there's a word called unexpectancy. That when it comes to the purpose of God, when it comes to His revealed purpose, when it comes to His revelation, His leading, His word to us, is He ever going to come? Standard? Is he ever going to come as expected? Surely he has made it quite clear in, in, in how he has brought the culmination of centuries of revelation of himself into the baby Jesus, fulfilling so many prophecies just in that, let alone in the manner of his life and death. Can we ever prayerfully? look to God and seek him and define how he might reveal his word to us, expecting it to come in a certain way, through a certain person, through a kind of a religious framework. Maybe the challenge for us is living in unexpectancy if there's such a word. That sense of getting so close to God. When we dwell in his divine presence, do we not see things more and more as he sees them? Both Simeon and Anna didn't just see a baby. The servant Israel had failed to do justice, live holy lives and be a light to the Gentiles. We too are called to this holy purpose and we don't want to fail. Isaiah 52 is a great way to finish Our thoughts for this morning. Jesus came in anything but an expected way. Verse 13 See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond any human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Chapter 53 Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Lord God, we are in awe of you in this moment. Just like your legal father and your human mother were in awe in a crowded court in the temple, two deeply godly people came and announced the Divine One, the Chosen One, the Anointed One was being cuddled in their very arms. If ever they were to need any reassurance that you were in the midst of absolutely everything, that they could trust the divine angelic revelations, they could trust the witness of the shepherds or the the, the magi, if ever there was any doubt, in the life to come, Lord, surely these two older folks sealed it for them in the very temple of their faith. So in these moments of reflection, joy is playing that, that melody of all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Lord, we see how this has been the very foundation of lives like Simeon like Anna like Mary like Joseph and so on our heart this morning Lord is that prayer is that very prayer Lord how can we give you anything less but absolutely everything that there is of us As we prepare to go into 2015, Lord, is that the prayer that you call from our hearts this morning? All to Jesus I surrender. And Lord, bring a fresh revelation to each one of us this morning of how we can even more consecrate ourselves, dedicate ourselves, set ourselves apart for your purpose, your holy divine purpose. That way we may carry that light to the Gentiles, to all the nations, to our neighbours, to our world. May this 2015 as it comes into our world, into our life, be a year of victory, a year of kingdom victory. Wherever you lead us, across the seas, up the street, we pray for redemption, for salvation to be poured out Upon all people. Hear our prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.